0: How y'all doing and welcome back to the cold seat podcast where the seats are cold but the takes are hot episode 27 here our midweek episode that we talk about everything but football. Um, But yeah, welcome back we're covering golf today like we normally do for the first time we're gonna be talking about the live golf tour I know about a month back we said we wouldn't be covering it uh, but now with the PGA wrapped up for a few weeks. We're going to be talking about it, and then when the PGA comes back, we'll probably likely still be talking about it just because their events are every few weeks in comparison to the every-week ones on the PGA Tour. Um, But we're also going to talk about the latest in MLB standings as we're kind of coming down the home stretch here with about 25 games or so left in the regular season. Some teams are nearing elimination. Some teams are nearing clinching their division. So a lot of stuff going on in the standings are real important this time of the year, uh, along with some overall MLB news. Not much, but uh, a couple of things, and also talking about what's new in the NBA. Uh, one big thing and a couple of minor things we're going to be addressing there. And then to close that, of course, we will finish with the ice bath, where we each talk about something interesting that we saw in the past seven days or so. Uh, but we're going to kick it off here with golf.
1: Yeah, PGA season is kind of over. Uh, a couple of weeks to get a very short offseason for the golfers. Uh, unlike most other sports, where you get kind of a whole a whole few months to you know, half a year off, um, they get a short off season. Uh, the, the Ford, the fort, I don't want to butcher this Fortinet championship coming up on September 15th will be played at the par 72 Silverado resort and spot North course in Napa, California Purse is eight mil. And the thing champ is Max Homa. So a uh, bit of a break for the PGA guys. Um, and then we got this one, this championship coming up on the 15th. Um, but gonna get, get, get a little bit of rest for these guys. Uh, most guys will kind of take a little longer. The top golfers might take a little bit longer to kind of rest, um, as the first major isn't for a few – What was what the first major? I'm trying to remember the date this year. Um, but it's not for a while. They've got they've got some time.
0: Yeah, they have. Uh, well, the first major I think it's not until the spring. Um, I, guess that's true, I know yeah. they have. The Players' Championship, which is, like, technically a major, is just yeah, a PGA yeah. event. So the guys on the Live Golf Tour can play in the majors because they aren't technically PGA events. Um, but the Players' Championship that Cameron Smith won last year, I believe that's in February. Um, but that's kind of like the first big event, even though it's not technically one of the four majors. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, the Fortinet coming up uh, just here in a couple weeks. Like you said, PGA. Just had a few weeks in the off season. Uh, it's kind of while well, everyone takes a break in the off season, uh, you don't see, you know, NFL, MLB, NBA stuff like that. You don't see guys taking a week off like you can in the PGA because there's an event every week. Some guys will, you know, take a week off every now and then during the season. So it's not like you have to play every week during the season like you do in other sports. But yeah, Silverado Resort and Spa apparently pretty nice. Uh, one of the many nice courses out there in California. A little bit of a smaller purse, so not a huge payout. Uh, Max Homa winning it last year was really impressive. That was one of his first, uh, if not his first, win on tour, and he's been really, really solid this past season. So who knows, maybe he'll go back to back. Uh, That should be an exciting tournament there. Uh, Looking forward to seeing that. But then after that, the following Wednesday on September 21st, we're going to have the President's Cup. So that is played every other year, alternating with the Ryder Cup. So it's a biennial event, means every two years. So next year will be the rider. Last year was the rider. Uh, so that means this year is the president's. The event will be played at the Par 71 Quail Hollow Club golf course in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, pretty much North Carolina's marquee golf course, uh, one of the nicest courses in the country. Really well-known uh, across the golf world and should be fun to watch the outcome of that. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, – you know, arguments and stuff going on uh, this week at the Coil Hollow as everyone's kind of prepping for it and playing the course uh, between, you know, guys that are there from the live and the PGA and stuff like that. As it's, you know, President's Cup is the international team versus the U.S. team, and each team has six automatic qualifiers and six captain's picks to form a 12-man team, so 24 golfers in total going head-to-head 12v12. It's a one-on-one match play style. Uh, So very similar to the Ryder Cup, just a little bit different in that, you know, the Ryder Cup alternates locations and the Presidents is normally in the U.S. Um, But looking forward to that too. That should be really exciting to watch. I know the Ryder Cup, when I watched it for the first time last year, is I mean, easily the most exciting golf event that I've watched. But It's just overall fun. The crowd's a lot more into it. And when you're competing more so one-on-one with the match play, I think it makes it a lot more entertaining. Um, But as we jump into live golf here, they just wrapped up an event at the International Golf Club Par 72 Oaks course, which is in Boston, Massachusetts, Um, getting some events in the Northeast done before it cools off there. Each live event has a purse of 20 mil. So a good bit of a jump from the PGA, which is well uh, documented. And Dustin Johnson won. He won it in a one-hole playoff at 15-under. Uh, there were two others that finished at 15-under, uh, so a three-man playoff, but he eagled the first hole to clinch it. One of the two was Joaquin Neiman, the 24-year-old uh, phenom that's just played really well these past couple years since he's been on tour. Lee Westwood, obviously, uh, he finished at 14-under, one shot off a of clinching a playoff, along with Cam Smith, who was likely the best golfer most say was the best golfer in the world this past season. Uh, He also finished at 1,400, so a couple guys that just missed the cut. But nonetheless, um, good golf in three rounds, so 1,500 is pretty impressive, uh, 20 under pace on a full PGA tournament. But their next event, it will start on September 16th as their tournaments begin on Fridays due to them being only three rounds. So instead of the PGA's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the live is just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so, extra day of rest for them. And the event will take place at the Parse 72 Rich, Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago, Illinois, uh, Chicago's best course. It uh, should be fun to see how that goes. Obviously, PGA, I believe, is better. And these guys really just went to the live to take on the money and probably some less playing time. Um, as you know, golf can be really repetitive and sometimes you need a break. Especially, you know, you have a bad tournament, you're going to want a week off and stuff like that. So, interesting to see all the differences in the tours. Uh, but nonetheless, I guess it's entertaining to talk about both and the comparisons and kind of talk about the differences and how some guys think differently of each one.
1: You know, it should be good either way. It's still going to be golf. Uh, going to be some high level golf, nonetheless. Still, it's PGA the live. Just based upon the golfers that you're going to have, you're going to have kind of on display in these, these tournaments. Um, like I said, whether it's live, or whether it's PGA, um, to be some high level golf, which is always good to watch. Um, you know, if that's what you're into, I know not everyone loves golf the way, um, you know, Brett does are, involves the golf the way I do, but, um, you know, it's still fun to watch. I, I enjoy it when it's good at golf. I know you enjoy it a lot. Um, so like I said, either PGA or live. swing gonna be some good golf being played, which is always good to see.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, Golf in in general has just gained such a huge following in these past few years. It's insane. to really see the jump really from COVID. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of the younger golfers like myself that really got into it because of COVID and because there wasn't much going on and graduating high school and stuff like that. A ton of people got into it. So it's been huge for the game. I know all the, you know, revenue and stuff like that for the tour is drastically increased and it's really good to see uh, another, just another sport that's gaining a following and, Hopefully one day will be really big. So that's it for golf. Uh, We're going to shift to MLB here. As we got MLB, NBA uh, left on the slate today. We got a standings update this week. So our last true standings update, and when we do it again in a couple weeks, because we alternate with stats, which will be next week. uh, When we have the next standings update in a couple weeks, it will be mainly just wild card and previewing playoff wild card matchups. As we'll pretty much have the bracket set. But yeah, looking forward to it. And we're going to kick off with the AL here. I got the AL, you got the NL. I'm going to kick off with the Orioles division, AL East. So the Red Sox are in fifth at 67 and 71, 16 back, um, soon to be eliminated from playoff contention. The Orioles are in fourth at 72 and 65. Um, They've lost four of their last five, so not great as they kind of had struggles pairing offense with pitching as they kind of been getting one or the other recently. Uh, Ten and a half back in the division and four and a half back of the wild card spot. Not ideal for them. Uh, they probably have to rip off, you know, four or five if they want to have any chance of competing in the next couple of weeks as the season's pretty much three weeks from being over. Um, but, you know, still some ball to be played and a really tough division. I mean, they were 10 up 10 over 500 and still in fourth in division. So it's just tough to compete when pretty much everyone else in your division is winning, and it doesn't really matter that the Yankees are losing almost every game because they were so far ahead to begin with that even losing every game, it takes a lot of work from the teams behind them to make up ground. Um, Number three, we got the Blue Jays at 76 and 76 games back of the Yankees in first, and they hold the third AL wildcard spot currently. In second, we have the Tampa Bay Rays at 77-58, and 58, playing really well recently, won a lot of games, so they just played the Yankees in one, two of three, I believe. Four and a half back of the Yanks, and they hold the first AL wild card spot just ahead of the Mariners there. And then in first, the New York Yankees, 82-54. Uh, and 54. They've won a few, gotten a little bit out of a slump, but still not as hot as they were. But it, I mean, 28 games over 500, still really solid. Uh, they are in first in the division and the fifth best record in the majors. Um, so still falling down in the total power rankings category as they were in first for such a while. But, yeah, I mean, good division, probably the best in baseball. Uh, and overall, I mean, four really four good teams this year that have played well down the stretch um, or at some point this season. So it'll be fun to see in the next couple of years how they all compete together.
1: Yeah, I don't think you said it. Four really good teams here that have been this year. And the, the Red Sox were good for a while earlier in the year, and they kind of really fell off after that first third, um, which sucks for them. But, I mean, it's, you know, the way their roster's constructed, the way they've constructed their roster in the last few years and the way they've kind of handled their business, um, really not conducive to what, you know, you'd consider to be successful in a, in a loaded division like this. So, um, no shock here. Like you said, the Yankees came to keep seem to keep reeling, and it sounds like we're going to have – kind of a, really, a really good um, kind of divisional race here, potentially down the stretch with the Rays and the Yankees. I don't know if the Blue Jays are, Blue Jays are going to make that race. Um, it, it may separate between the Yan- Yankees and the Rays for that first-place spot here pretty soon, but it should be good down the stretch. I would love to see another division race kind of get going as, um, you know, there's one, two, three divisions that are basically already wrapped up. So I'd love to add another one in there.
0: Yeah, I mean – It'll be fun to see how it plays out. AL is really competitive, uh, especially wild card right now. Uh, While it looks like we have three teams kind of that clinched with the next team being the Orioles, four and a half back, still always, you know, things could happen and there's a lot of teams, really just four teams that are fighting for that third spot right now. So it should be interesting. Uh, We're going to move on to the AL Central. Not a very strong division. Uh, I'm going to go through this pretty quick. Detroit Tigers at 52-85, 19-and-a-half back of the division and the fourth-worst record in the MLB. Hadn't really found a spark at all this season or for any stretch of time. Uh, KC Royals at 55-82. and 82, Just three games better than the Detroit Tigers, and they are 16-and-a-half back. Chicago White Sox playing pretty well recently. Their game over 500 at 69-and-68, two-and-a-half back of the division. Minnesota Twins at sixty-eight and sixty-six, two games back of the division, and six and a half back of a wild card, and the Cleveland Guardians seventy and sixty-four in first place in their division, and hold the playoff spot. Obviously, as they are leading their division, um, so a pretty poor division, as you know, the Guardians would be in last in the AL East. So, um, not too impressive there, and I expect a quick exit from the Guardians if they do end up clinching the division.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think you just look at the rosters in this division. I think the only the only roster that, that you look at and go, man, they can make a playoff run it is uh, the White Sox. Just based upon what Dylan sees on this year and the guys they have on the off, on the in, in the lineup with Tim Anderson, obviously headlining that, and then Jose Abreu, a guy who's who's been successful throughout his career. I know the Guardians have Jose Ramirez, um, but outside of him, it's just it's kind of I don't want to say a ragtag group, but it's just not a group that you're going to look at, especially in the pitching. And go, man, I'm really worried. Um, so it's just it's tough. Um, you know, We'll see what happens down the stretch here. I think it's going to be a three-horse race down kind of the wire. I don't know what their schedules are. I'm going to assume you know, at least two of those teams play each other in the last week of the year, so it should be good to see. Um, this is probably going to be the tightest division race in terms of the three teams that are in it, and I think you're right. I think whichever team does make it out of this division is probably going to have a quick exit to a wild-card team in
0: the uh, playoffs. Yeah, not a very strong division there. Um, but to wrap up AL, we have the AL West. Uh, not a bad division, probably middle of the road. Uh, got a really good team, some really bad teams. Uh, but in last, we have the Oakland Athletics, who are 50 and 87, second worst in the majors. Uh, so, very poor season for them here as they kind of done everything to play bad. Texas Rangers in fourth at 59 and 76. Uh, really, the past couple of months have been their have been killer for them. Uh, didn't start out terribly and now 17 games under and 27 and a half out and a team that they share or winning percentage with would be the los angeles angels at 60 and 77 also 27 and a half out so not very impressive from those three teams but the top two in the division are playing really well uh, first of all some seattle mariners look like they're on the way to breaking that 20-year playoff drought as they are 17 over 500 at 77 and 60, 10 and a half back of the Houston Astros, and they hold the second AL wildcard spot. So that's looking really good right now. Uh, Them and the Rays look to be fighting for that top AL spot currently. And then at the top, we have the Houston Astros, who are 87 and 49, obviously leading the division by 10 and a half games. And they have the second best record in the majors and the best record in the AL. So like I said, um, pretty wide range of talent in this division as we kind of have three bad teams and two pretty solid teams uh, no really good teams Um, it's either you're great or you're terrible in the al west and looks like we're definitely going to be having two teams out of there probably one out of the central and three out of the east
1: yeah no you hit it um two really good teams here and three not very good teams obviously with the A's at the second worst record in baseball um rangers and angels have disappointed all year you know, just based on the talent they have, um, Mariners really came on strong post all star break. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez, um, being a big part of that, I think they're just kind of a sneaky team that played really good baseball. Um, remind me a lot of what the Cardinals have done for a long time. Um, you know, now they have a couple of superstars, obviously, but for a while they just, you know, they were just really consistent, really good team. reminds me of what the Mariners have done. Obviously, they required um, Luis Castillo with the deadline, they still had Robbie Ray. Um, you know, obviously, I have as great as the did last year, but still, nonetheless, um, you know, still, still a quality squad there. Um, and you know, they're gonna make it. They're they're gonna be in the playoff. They're gonna get a wild card spot. Um, I think they're gonna give people some trouble in the playoffs, depending on who they see. Obviously, if they're the second wild card team, they'll play the third wild card team to get into like the divisional series, if you will, or yeah, into the wild or I guess into the actual wild card round to play to get into the divisional series. So. Um, should be good nonetheless. I think this division's locked up though, no question. Um, we'll kind of get to the National League here. National League, you started out with the Nationals in last place, 38 games back with the worst record in baseball, and we're officially the first team eliminated from the playoffs today. Um, not shocking here, just kind of a talk about a fall from grace for this team that won a World Series in 2019. Um, to now being the first team eliminated from the playoffs, uh, you know, a mere three years later, um, kind of crazy. Just look at looking at the players have dealt away that we've talked about before. Um, just kind of wild to see them here in the cellar of the, of the entire, not even just the division, but the entire league, which is kind of wild. Um, first place, you got the Marlins 30 and a half games back third place. You got the Phillies at 65 and 61, 11 and a, 11 games back of the Mets in first place. And they hold second, they hold the second wild card spot in the national league. Um, I do believe it's a pretty tight race right now. I think, they're a, see, I think they're like a game or so up on. Um, so that's three, that's just a seventy-five and sixty-one. Um, I was I typed that out wrong. I'm looking at it now to trying to get the exact number. They're barely up on the Padres. I think they're like, you know, a couple. I think they're yeah they're hacking up on the Padres on the third wild card spot, and um, and after that it's three games back. From the Padres, Ted Walker, race in the National League. And then obviously the Braves, 86 51, half game back from the Mets, fourth best in the MLB and hold the first uh, in a wild card spot, kind of already locked up there. Um, it's really just going to be whoever wins the division between the Mets and the Braves uh, the Mets at 87 51, a half game ahead of the Braves in first and third best in the Major League Baseball. Um, again, it's just going to be whoever wins the division. Uh, the other one's going to get the first wild card spot. Um, it's kind of locked up. It's just a matter of who's going to be division winner versus uh, wild card team. Uh, definitely a little different than National League Central. Uh, the Pirates are 30 games back, third worst in baseball. The Reds are 25 and a half games back, fifth worst in baseball. The Cubs are 22 and a half games back. Uh, and then you can finally get up to two teams at the top with the Brewers at 71 and 65, nine games back, three and a half games back from wild card spot. And the Cardinals, who are 80 and 56 and in first place. Um, Brewers have really been reeling lately, so um, kind of tough for them. And the Cardinals obviously play really good baseball as of late.
0: Yeah, I mean, NL Central, kind of, I mean, other than the Cardinals, that's another division that hasn't really been too solid this season. It seems like the both Central divisions have been pretty poor throughout the course of the season. Uh, the Cardinals have been hot. You know, Pujols is five homers away from 700, so that's really cool to see. Um, kind of my NL team, if I had to have one. Um but, yeah, I mean, impressive stuff. Cardinals, you know, they had a pretty big slump there for a little bit, and they got back – they got pretty hot again. Um, so, to be, to be 24 games over is pretty solid. Um, I mean, obviously, they're probably going to win the division nine games up right now. So, be interesting to see how they do in the playoffs. But, yeah, Mets, the Mets and Braves uh, battle right now to see who wins it. It's really exciting to see uh, two really good teams. They have good rosters and could do a lot of damage in the playoffs, obviously, the Braves. I mean, they have all the experience with, you I mean, returning pretty much everyone, and then the Mets with a really good pitching staff and some really good hitters throughout. Um, so it should be interesting down the stretch to see who wins those. But, yeah, I mean, looking forward to it. Pretty much have an idea of what the playoff teams are. You just don't know what seed they're going to be.
1: Yeah, like you said, um, here you hit the nail on the head with the Cardinals really being the only team impressive in the National League Central and the Brewers. Um, kind of re- reeling, if you will, and just not very, doing very well post all-star break. It gets to the National League West. Um, Rockies, 36 games back. Uh, Giants and D-backs, both 28 and a half games back. Though that's pending with the John- with the Diamondbacks. Wrapping up a game with the Padres, who are 19 and a half back of the Dodgers. They hold the third wild card spot right now by three and a half games up on the uh, Brewers. Um, both teams playing really bad baseball as of late. Um, you know, we'll see what the Padres do this week against the Dodgers, who sit in first place at 94 and 42, which is an absolutely absurd record for this point in the year with about a month left or just under a month left. Um, best record in baseball. Um, let me tell you about a team that just has been scalding hot since the All-Star break. Obviously, they were in, you know, pretty pretty far ahead in first place, but not 19 and a half, almost 20 games in first. So they have a chance to to lock up the division on, uh, on Sunday. Should they sweep the – Padres Friday through Sunday this weekend, uh, they had lock up the division as the magic number six right now. Um, they would end up winning the division uh, outright or cl- or clinching the division outright should they win all three games against the Padres this weekend. Or I think it's four. I think they're playing four games. I think they're Thursday through Sunday. So if they win all four, they clinch. They lock it up, um, which would be pretty crazy if they were to win the division this early in the year. I think it speaks to um, you know the way that roster has been constructed. Looking at you know who's been the ace this year, obviously Julio Reyes is a household name, but. Walker Buehler's been out basically the whole year. Kershaw's missed a lot of time. You look at a guy like Tony Gonsolin who's taken a massive step forward in, in his career, and a guy like Tyler Anderson who's career revitalizing is not even the right term for what he's done this year. It's been nothing short of incredible. Um, I think guy got gets a lot of credit for that. Is is uh, Mark Pryor, the pitching coach? It wouldn't shock me if he gets a manager job this year. Just looking at what he's done, kind of with his resume. Um, In the past few years, especially this year, what he's done with guys like Andrew Haney, um, Tyler Anderson, Tony Gonsal, that kind of thing. Um, Just really impressive work from them in the Dodgers organization.
0: Yeah, pretty solid. Uh, You know, being up that much on the division and uh, the NL as a whole is really impressive. Almost uh, getting a clinching territory. I think they're about eight up on the rest of the league. Uh, So should be able to clinch here pretty soon, uh, barring a collapse but I don't see that happening, Uh, but it's funny. I mean, the West, the NL West has one really good team. I guess one really good team. Padres, I guess, are good. I mean, they're 13 over 500. That's not bad. And then three bad, three iffy to bad teams. The AL West has two really good teams, three bad teams. NL Central and AL Central are pretty similar in that they have one good team and then the rest not too great. And then the AL East and NL East are pretty similar in that they have you know, two really solid teams and the ALA is probably a little better, but I mean, it's funny that the East almost match up, the Central's almost match up and the West are pretty similar, like in terms of, you know, the standings in each division and how far teams are back in the division. I just thought that was kind of interesting looking back at it, kind of how all the teams are spaced out within each other's division. Um, But yeah, that's all we got for you for the MLB there. As next week, we're going to have a stats update, uh, I guess our second to last one is we probably will end the regular season with the stats update. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to see how the MLB closes out, obviously maybe tweeting about it and stuff like that. Um, any, anything big happens and then also we'll be previewing some playoff matches once we get those finalized and figure out what's going on there. Uh, we're going to wrap up the uh, sports segment with NBA here as we normally do. Uh, but before we talk about, I guess, the major news of this past week, We wanted to talk about the NBA opening day. I can't remember if we mentioned this, uh, but the season will begin on Tuesday, October 18th. This was announced about a month ago, and we will have two games on the slate. The rest of the teams will play the 19th. Two games are the Philadelphia 76ers at the Boston Celtics. That will be at TD Garden in Boston at 6.30 p.m., and then later that night, right after you're done watching that game, you can flip over to the Los Angeles Lakers at Golden State Warriors. That'll be at 9 p.m., uh, so two pretty good games there is kind of have a couple teams from each conference facing off and should be exciting to see how season as a whole plays out. I know a lot of teams have a lot very different outlooks on this season and compared to how they finished last season. It should be a lot of fun seeing new faces in new places. And while my team, the Spurs, probably going to be fighting for, you know, a top-three pick, uh, it's still going to be fun to see the young guys develop and stuff like that. So every team has something to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to see really the NBA as a whole. Hopefully the league stays healthy because I know that was kind of an issue last year, but I want to see the best players play regardless of what sport it is. It's a lot more fun when that's the case. Um, and then another minor piece, um, not a schedule piece, but is that center Montrez Harrell, he signed a two-year deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. So he will be playing on opening night, a minor deal. I think it includes a player option. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a good signing there. I mean, depending on what the money is, which I didn't see. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a good pickup and the 76ers are looking like a good team again and could have a real solid record down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it. it's hard to call this like an impact signing because like what Montrose Harrell was a couple of a years ago versus what he was the last two years. Um, it's almost two, it, it, it is two different players to be honest. Um, you know, watching it firsthand, he played for the Clippers. It was an absolute monster, came to the Lakers two years later and was a bomb. Um, granted, he didn't get the playing time he deserved there, I didn't think. But nonetheless, he just wasn't very good and wasn't nearly what he was when he was with the Clippers. I believe he won a sixth man of the year with the Clippers, too. Um, yep. he, was, I mean, he was awesome. Him and Lou Will were off the bench, were monsters for that team. Um, so it could be early good signing for them, could be impact. It may not be. It really depends on what the carved out role for him is going to look like. And how he can kind of succeed and excel in that role if he can. Um, and then opening day is really exciting. Obviously, you're gonna have 76ers at Celtics, should be really good. Um, Lakers at Warriors. You know, I want to be optimistic about the Lakers, but I'm just not. I'm so pessimistic about them this year, especially one of the defending champs with essentially the same roster. Um, just better with Wiseman healthy. So uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act that that's gonna be a blowout. Obviously, it's two marquee teams in the NBA, but it should that should be a blowout. Uh, raising the banner that night. They should be coming out fire on all cylinders. So, um, yeah, this should be good nonetheless. It's opening day. It's always exciting to have ba- basketball back Um, in, you know, roughly a month. You could call it five weeks. Um, Definitely excited for that. And then uh, kind of the big NBA news that kind of broke this week was that uh, Utah, the Utah Jazz and Cleveland Cavaliers agreed to a trade that sent st- uh, st- all-star Jazz guard Diamond Mitchell to the Cavs in exchange for Lori Markkinen, who I believe is a power four. yeah, power four. Laurie Markkinen. Shooting guard Ochai Obagi, who's a rookie. Point guard Colin Sexton. 2025 first-rounder, 2026 pick swap, 2027 and 2029 first-rounders, as well as a 2028 pick swap. All three first-round picks are unprotected, so 25, 27, 29, all unprotected picks there in the first round. Um, Cavs look like a top-four seed in the East with this group of Mitchell, Sexton, Sexton. Um, I Saxon, sorry, Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, um, you know, Mitchell's got three results on his deal. This is a young core that looks really, really good. Um, yeah, I think they're going to tend to come out of the East next year. It's obviously going to take them, I think, you know, 20 or so games about a quarter of the season to gel. But I think once they do, I think I really, I really like that backcourt. Um, we talked about this prior to the episode, I think compared to what the DJ uh, deal to Atlanta, I think I, I still like this backcourt more. I think what they offer and the way they're going to play together in Garland and Mitchell, um, not to mention Jared Allen, and Mobley. and Mobley had a really good year last year, I thought in year two. Um really took a step forward, should take a step forward in year three, especially with adding a score like Donovan Mitchell. I mean, the the think about the pick and roll and pick and pop game with Garland Mobley, Mitchell Mobley, Garland Allen, Mitchell Allen, plus the plus the role players they have on that team. I mean, it should be really cool, it should be really special what they have there. Especially if the next three years they should have, I mean, hopefully, obviously NBA. Roster turnover is crazy, but hopefully for the next three years, they've got something special to build on there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is a team that has a really positive outlook on the next few seasons, kind of opening a window there uh, to compete long-term in the East. And with solid young dudes on the team like Garland and Mobley, uh, Allen's always been one of the best rim protectors in the league. And then Mitchell, who speaks for himself, I mean, I mean he's elite. At what he does uh, most of the time every night, he'll have an off night. Uh, that's to be expected for most star guys. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the East, you're looking at the same few teams, Boston, maybe Brooklyn, we don't know yet. But, I mean, Atlanta and Cleveland should be pretty similar. Cleveland probably finishes a little bit ahead. And then you also have Miami and 76 ers So pretty similar teams that should be there at the top for the first five or six seeds. Uh, after that, should be a pretty exciting. Even in the top six, should be. Fun to see how that plays out. But Utah also, uh, they're pulling the thunder trick and getting every first-round pick they can. They also still have uh, Bogdan Badanovich. I think they can trade him as well. Uh, so they have a lot of really good young pieces. Baji, Sexton, uh, a couple other guys. Obviously, all the picks that they got for Gobert. Uh, so positive outlook for them, too. If I'm a Jazz fan, I'm not too upset. Obviously, they probably won't have a good year this upcoming season. Um, but a lot to look forward to for them as they kind of hit a new generation or a new uh, era, so to speak, in Utah as they kind of build up the young guys um, and hopefully hit on some draft picks. But that's pretty much it there, just that one big piece of news for the NBA and a couple other pieces, Uh, just talking about the schedule and stuff like that. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get closer to it as we're still about five weeks away from the opening day. Uh, for the nba but we're going to get into the ice bath here to round out the episode as we have a little bit of a quicker one for y'all probably about 35 minutes so we're going to touch more on this game as i i'm going to start mine real quick we're going to touch more on this game on our friday football episode as it was one of the craziest games in the last few seasons of college football at least that i remember uh finding out about or watching live i luckily watched this game live as I didn't really have much else going on. And it was the only big game. Uh, I believe it was Sunday night. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was Florida state and LSU. They played in Caesar Superdome in new Orleans. So basically an LSU home game, Uh, both teams had a really uh, positive lookout on the season. And they both had a lot to look forward to, obviously, you know, LSU brought in new guys, kind of a new era there. And then FSU had a lot of really good transfers on that defense. So, Both teams kind of were looking forward to this, as most college football teams were. Um, But basically, to summarize it, LSU lost in dramatic fashion. They scored with a few seconds left and missed the game-tying extra point as it was blocked. And at the post-game presser, Brian Kelly, who is the LSU first-year head coach that came over from Notre Dame, for those of you who don't know, uh, he got to the podium and he said, we'll open it up to this late-arriving media crowd, as I guess either he was told to wait a few minutes before going to the podium or when he was at the podium, not everyone was there yet. Don't know the story uh, behind that. But obviously he was upset after the game saying that. And one reporter clapped back with, uh, maybe if you win, I'll be on time. It was really funny. Uh, you could definitely tell Kelly f- took offense to it. Uh, he was a little shocked that she said that in that manner uh, right after he said that. Uh, but nonetheless, really funny. Luckily, the uh, stream got Caught it all, and it went viral on Twitter. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, Brian Kelly's a guy that obviously had success at Notre Dame and was looking to have that same success at LSU. Don't think it'll happen just because they're playing in the SEC now and, you know, back-to-back years. Losing to uh, Florida State's got to be tough, and I don't know if Kelly's the guy for LSU. I don't really think he fits the culture, but nonetheless he's trying to build his own culture. We'll see how it goes here. Uh, Give him a couple years. Um, But, yeah, another piece. If you want to find out, see something funny, uh, Ed Orgeron did a little interview and uh he was basically talking about how LSU he said he was owed seventeen point one mil left on his uh contract. Who he, he was the coach of LSU prior to Brian Kelly, and he was owed seventeen point one left on his deal. LSU uh higher ups basically called him into the office and said, Okay, um we're gonna buy your contract, bring him and Brian Kelly, and he's like Show me the door and when you want me to leave or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah, – really yeah.
1: um, it, it, uh, it was tell me what time and what door to go through. That's what it was. Yeah. So good.
0: But, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, just a couple of things for LSU there. And sure there's much more. Uh, but Just a lot of happened this in this first real week of college football. Uh, but as we get down the stretch here, we'll be talking about a lot more. So make sure you're tuned in to the Friday episode as well.
1: You yeah, know, pretty, pretty wild. Um, I'm with you there. I don't know if Brian Kelly is necessarily the guy – for LSU, I think it's going to be really hard for him to move from recruiting in South Bend, Indiana, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, just what the competition is going to be around him uh, in state. Obviously, you know, every, you know, there's five stars in Indiana. They're being recruited by every school. But I think it's it comes down to the three stars and the four stars um, and kind of the fringe three star, four star guys. I think that that's really what it comes down to. And, um, you know, I think he got a lot of help at Notre Dame and obviously he's going to get a lot of help at, at LSU. But I just I don't know. It's really hard to recruit an LSU, especially. Um, you know, I know that success on a title with Burrow and Jamar and, and, and Jefferson and all those guys. It's just it's hard to replicate that. Um, you know, maybe one of the greatest teams ever. So hard to replicate. He's really trying that accent, though. He's really trying with that accent that he was sporting at that first press conference. Um, but I'm with you. I don't know if he's the guy for LSU, but I'll move on to my ice bath here and we'll wrap up the episode and get out of here. But um, Dodgers closer, Craig Kimbrell. Acquired this offseason in exchange for A.J. Pollock, a one-for-one one deal with the White Sox. Um, Kimberle, I believe, is like the third act, third active leader in uh, in career saves. Been around the block, started with the Braves, uh, played for the Cubs for a long time, Get traded to the White Sox uh, just across the city, um, went just south of the White Sox last year at the deadline. Uh, didn't really do well, super well for them. Dodgers trade A.J. Pollock, uh, and they land Kimberle in the offseason. He's struggled mightily this year. Um, I believe his ERA was, uh, has been over 4.2 for most of the year, um, except for lately. We've had a change of, not heart, but a change of maybe musical spirit, if you will. Um, so for International Women's Day, the Dodgers had, uh, most of the players had their wives do it. And Joey Gallo and Hansa Roberto, two guys that came up in the Rangers system together, did their own song for each other. Everybody else is like their mom or their wife or their sister or their daughter or whatever. shows their walkout or walkup song. So walkup songs for batters, for pitchers, like their walkout song. Craig Kimbrell's wife chose "Let It Go." Yes, the song from Frozen, Disney movie. Sung by Elsa in Frozen, great movie. I highly recommend. Um, but he is six for his last six save attempts, and in his last five outings, he's been flawless. This, the the in between he had a his it was the outing at home, then he had an outing in Milwaukee going for a hold and he gave up a couple of runs didn't didn't look good but the last five outings have looked perfect he hasn't given up a run only uh, you know a couple base runners, um, you know hopefully this this is some things to come maybe this is going to help him change I hope he keeps the walk up the walkout song for as long as he can I hope this is kind of propels him into the playoffs here. Because uh, if you know if the Dodgers want to win, want to win a World Series, they need him to be at his best. Obviously, I mean that's you know a big part of it. Um, but listen, hadn't a lot of run the last five save attempts. He's had a couple of clean innings in his save attempts, so something he hadn't done all year. I think he was he was winless, or he had he was like 0 for seven in his save opportunities with a one run lead, uh, and then he'd given up. I want to say given up. A run in like X number of consecutive save attempts, so it was rough. So he's 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 getting there. We're really doing some numbers here with "Let It Go." Again, I'm pushing for it. I highly recommend the movie. I recommend the song to anyone going through some struggles, maybe in you know kind of the workplace or in the gym or whatever. Maybe it's gonna help. Yeah, I don't know. Work for Craig Kimbrel. So hopefully, um, he's gonna remove the Craig Crumble nickname he's been given. Uh, I frequent that nickname for him as he's crumbled in the past this year, but hopefully we can remove the Craig Crumble nickname for the playoffs with the help of let it go. But I don't know who sings it, but call it Elsa for, for conversation's sake.
0: Yeah, we'll say it's Elsa. Um, but, yeah, I and mean, that's that's kind of funny there to see. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, it was going viral with the other closer having to walk out songs. I mean, pitching one inning as a closer it's really tough. But, when you you know, however many outings in a row, giving up a run is pretty tough. Uh, not ideal uh, for a franchise that's winning some games. So, Hey, whatever works, works. Stick with it while you can uh, until it blows up in your face, I guess. Switch it up then and blame everyone uh, that they kept the song. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty coincidental that when he switched the song, he's been pitching well and he's kept it, um, hopefully, as long as he can. That's pretty much it we got for you all today. Um, quicker episode here is our Tuesday episode, but we have a ton to unpack with our football episode at the, at the end of the week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. should be a lot of fun. Ah, uh, talk about that stuff. Go over ranked matchups. Tech's big matchup this weekend, and then conference play coming up here soon in a couple of weeks. So make sure you stay tuned in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold P- Seat Podcast, and we will see y'all in a few days. See you guys then.